0: Uh, welcome to the Energy Intelligence Podcast. My name is Abhi Rajendran. Uh, I am the head of uh, the oil market research uh, group uh, focused on, on oil markets as well as downstream markets. Um, and then we are uh, going to be having a, um, you know, an update on, on where things stand with oil markets um, and a discussion of both the uh, uh, key drivers that we're seeing on the macro and demand sides of the ledger. Um, and critically, uh, what we are seeing on the supply side as well, uh, where we see uh, the potential for, you know, for some you know, some medium term disruptions. Um, joining me on the discussion today um, are my esteemed colleagues, uh, Colby Conley, um, who is a Middle East focused expert, um, also in the, the research uh, part of the firm. Colby, thanks for joining. Thanks, Abby. Um, as well as uh, our colleague, Julien Matonier, who is a senior oil markets uh, correspondent uh, and really an expert on, on demand and macro sides uh, of, the, of the oil market equation. Julien, welcome.
1: Hi, Abby. Hi, Colby. Thank you for having me today.
0: Thank you both for joining. Um, so you know, certainly there's a lot going on uh, with regard to oil markets. Uh, you know, a- as we see... You know, oil prices now uh, in the mid-70s for Brent, um, in the low 70s for WTI. Um, in our view, you know, oil markets are largely playing out uh, as we expected. Uh, you know, we expected a, you know, a fairly uh, solid amount of momentum and support behind oil prices uh, heading into the summer months, especially. Um, and a big part of this is, is um, especially for this year, demand and macro-driven. Um, so why don't we dive right into it? Uh, Julien, maybe I can hand it off to you. I think, you know, one of the things that, that that people have been increasingly more and more focused on over the last, let's say, three to six months, maybe even, you know, back to late last year, you know, once we had the U.S. election and we um, got a little bit more clarity going into this year on how, you know, COVID was going to go uh, with vaccines, um, is the macro front. Um, there's obviously a lot going on on the macro side. Uh, so why don't you maybe walk through, Uh, some of the key drivers that you're seeing um, and how they are affecting oil prices?
1: Sure. I think, first of all, you have a lot of fiscal stimulus out there and uh, a lot of disposable income because people have been uh, sitting at home doing little with their earnings. So all that disposable income is now ready to flow to the service industry, hospitality, restaurants, tourism, uh, as well as hopefully a little bit more travel at least domestically you know as the economy reopens and uh, and that is supportive of uh, you know demand for for mobility that is supportive of demand for motor fuels and that is supportive of of all demand in 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 general now one big macro topic is becoming inflation again which is now back on the market's radar the question being is it back on the central bank's agenda too And the answer is probably not not right at the moment because central banks in general and the U.S. Federal Reserve especially do not want to be seen as, you know, giving into market pressure, if only for the sake of their independence and and credibility. But what matters for the old market is that imagined or real, this inflation narrative is now driving uh, the commodity inflows into the derivative or paper markets. And, and therefore, it ends up creating its sort of own bath of inflation, you know, in a sort of self-fulfilling way. You know, people are piling into commodities because they seek exposure to a price increase and they seek exposure to a different class of assets to hedge against, you know, the possibility of inflation, even if it's uh, still a bit uh, a remote. And and if you combine that with a rising supply of relatively cheap money, which means like low interest rates, then Inflation is also a powerful um, a tailwind for, for commodity, as, as as I said, as an asset class. And the reason is that first, commodities have historically performed best during high and rising inflation. We're not in a regime of high inflation, but we're certainly, you know, rising inflation is certainly pointing, at least in the US, possibly in the in, in Europe by the end of the, of the summer, we'll see. And the second reason is, because the unprecedented monetary and fiscal measures have arguably increased the risk of inflation then you know uh, price rises are are becoming more more likely in the, in the coming month a third reason is you know academic research tend to show that since about the, the, the mid 20s uh, uh, equities or bonds do not really perform better in real terms than than, than commodities in, in inflationary regimes. So all of that is very supportive of, you know, the commodity complex in general and all in particular from from the macro point of view.
0: Yeah, no, I mean those are those are some really great points, Julien. Um, you know, and and what's interesting is, you know, on the theme of of of, of inflation and and commodities, you've certainly seen this. Uh, play out pretty dramatically in other products, right? In in, in certain metals, um, in certain ag products, and you know, in other you know specific. Uh, commodities like lumber, for example, um, and oil has been a little bit slow to react, but but certainly it's it, it it's also catching this you know this this rising tide of um, of inflation driven uh, commodity support for sure. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, now you know there are of course some of these macro factors, right? But um, but also fundamentally, uh, they on the demand side. Uh, you know things are also headed in the right direction. You know certainly the last three to six months. You know, I've seen, you know, many different sort of speed bumps along the way. Um, you know, vaccines are only just taking off and we've seen, you know, COVID flare ups in India and Brazil and other parts of the world. But, you know, it seems like maybe we are, you know, getting past the, you know, the, the worst of the kind of the, the global COVID wave. Um, and, and certainly we're seeing, especially in the West, where um, where vaccination uh, uptake has been uh, you know quite strong and, and continuing to climb. Uh, mobility is 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 getting you know pretty close to normal, if not surpassing it. So, Julia, maybe you can walk through from a demand perspective, you know how we are seeing, uh, especially over the next couple of months, um, you know, including June, uh, the trajectory for demand um, and and where we could go for the rest of this year, um, and also maybe project that on into next year as well.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, 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 as you said, all demand has reset on a healthier. Uh, sort of growth uh, trajectory uh, for the year. It's 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 getting 5.8 million barrels per day to 97.8 million barrels per day, according to our forecast, and an additional 2.7 million barrels per day in 2022 to about 100 and, 100.5. As we see it right now, uh, but uh, an increase in household expenditure is now necessary. I think to normalize consumption uh, uh, levels back to their you know 2019's level. Why? Because industrial activity only provides for the base base load or consumption. But if you want the market to keep the growth momentum from this base load, then it, it needs some kind of lever effect. Uh, from the consumer side, from consumer demand. And and we expect OECD to provide a strong demand impetus in, in, in the third quarter, because OECD is where, uh, you know, working from home has been adopted the most widely, and it's also where people have been shielded the most from the adverse effect of, of uh, you know, the adverse impact of COVID, which, as I said, resulted in a large accumulation of disposable income, which is why hopes now for a demand spike in the summer uh, 2021 are partly pinned on on OECD demand. Um, of course, we have strong expectation about this, so to speak, revenge consumption effects but we also think they might uh, probably wear off into 2022. But uh, between now and 2022, winter demand will also take over. And uh, as for June, you mentioned June. Uh, we expect demand to bolt by nearly 4 million barrels per day in June. So we'll be to sort of 90, 98.7 million barrels per day. You know, as people restart social activities, start traveling a little bit inside their own, inside their respective countries, you know, the, the restaurants are opening, the hospitality industry in general is reopening. So, so it helps supports uh, all demands. So. If 2021 was the year of recovery, 2022 will be the year of normalization, and demand will hopefully realign with 2019 levels in most most countries uh, by the third quarter of of, uh, 2022, as we see it now.
0: Thanks, uh, Julian. Yeah, I think you know. I think you know. To the point on demand, um, I would say it's you know it, it's fairly consensus that you know at some point in the middle of next year that demand will get back to, to pre-COVID levels. Um, you know, I think you know, I think just the, the 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 velocity and the the magnitude of how quickly demand is ramping up this summer um, is is what you know we are particularly focused on because um, it's what is causing this. The sort of extreme tightening effect um, on oil markets, um, and that tightening effect is 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 because of what's happening on the supply side, right? Um, and Colby, I'll bring you in here in a second, but you know the year started off with you know OPEC uh, Plus showing tremendous restraint and willingness to support this market, uh, which even though they've started to add supply back, you know really that that uh, motivation uh, really has not changed uh, from the group. Um, you know, and, and, and part of it is because of some of the lags and demand in Asia, um, and things like that. But, um, but also some of their restraint, um, is causing some of this, you know, this extra tightness in the, you know, in the Atlantic basin and in, in, in Europe as it returns. And, and certainly you're seeing this in the, in the, in the U S market. Um, but Colby, maybe, you know, I can hand it off to you just to, uh, talk through what we can expect from, from OPEC plus, uh, you know, over the, you know, over the next couple of months, um, you know, and and maybe even beyond that as well, uh, you know, towards the end of the year and and going into next year. Um, and again, maybe just, just kind of the, the core framework, um, of the agreement that they have in place. Um, and then I'll ask you a follow-up on, you know, on, on Iran, which is sort of outside that structure as well.
2: Sure. Thanks, Avi. Um, so, you know, really, In the the last couple of months, uh, OPEC plus has has largely stayed the course with the the plan that it's it's had to sort of taper its cuts and and gradually bring supply back. Um, By the time that that current framework um, has has run its course through through this month and the next two months as well, there will still be around 5.7 million barrels a day um, offline. Uh, and, and, you know, that that raises some of these these bigger questions in the future. And, and you you, know, you alluded to um, Iran as well, which which is certainly a, a big unknown for OPEC plus at this point um, and, and is, is definitely something that, that the alliance will, will want to uh, continue paying close attention to um, as, as talks continue uh, in order to to attempt to revive the the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, or the, the JCPOA, uh, the Iran nuclear deal. Um, you know, on on the topic of, of Iran, their their election uh, this past Friday uh, was was really no surprise to anyone. Um, the the ascent of, of the hardline uh, judiciary chief, Ibrahim Raisi, was was in line with with most expectations. Um, and and the fact that you know a, a deal between uh, on, ongoing, the, uh, the diplomats that are, are in Vienna trying to revive the JCPOA wasn't reached before the election does um, add some, some uncertainty to the potential trajectory of, of Iran's official return to, to market. And, and that's definitely one of those, those things that, that OPEC plus will have to consider. Um, also shakeups in, in Iran's oil sector with the turnover. Um, of, of the new administration Bijan Zanganay who is who is Iran's longest serving oil minister is is expected to, to be replaced uh, along with a couple of other uh, couple of other figures as well. Um, most of this on 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 the production side really will come down to timing um, since since Raisi's election you know we've we've increasingly heard some talk that um, these, these diplomats in Vienna hope to reach an agreement by uh august and in, indeed we've we've updated our production outlook uh a, a week or two ago uh to reflect some of these these changes and sort of the stall um as as, as talks have, have sort of taken this direction you know we've we've heard these unspecific claims of, of progress for the last couple of rounds of talks but um you know there, there haven't been any real real concrete developments yet um but the, it's, it's really the time frame around the production that's that's being impacted here uh, not not the actual levels that we see production as, as being likely to reach so much so the the, the standard disclaimer here with our um, our Iranian production scenarios is that they all do assume uh, some form of, of an eventual deal um, but you know that said our, our current base case assumes you know in, in the event of a deal being reached that production will uh, definitely increase most significantly significantly in the fourth quarter Um you know, probably to a, a level of around 3.25 million barrels a day, which is 750,000 barrels uh, above uh, Iran's production levels at, at some of the current estimates, um, and and then moving more quickly towards um, the the upper end of their capacity at, at 3.8 million by um, the second half of, of 2022. Um, and and as we've we've said in the past, you know, there's there's currently very little reason to doubt that. Uh, There will be many technical obstacles for Iran and and increasing its production uh, relatively quickly. Um, The the bigger question, and and this is where some of the election impact comes in, uh, is is how long it takes to to reach and then implement the deal. Um, And and, and this is particularly important as it it relates to uh, verification of of Iranian compliance with a new deal and and clarity on U.S. sanctions policy. you know that, that may impact uh, willingness from from some buyers to to lift Iranian crude if they're if there are, are lingering concerns about U.S. sanctions. Um, our, our other two outlooks: the, the rapid increase um, would would put Iranian production all the way up to to around um, 3.7 million barrels a day uh, by the end of this year, um, and. Uh, You know, that's the kind of scenario that would really come to pass if if those those sticking points that I mentioned before really don't materialize. Uh, Alternatively, you know, if if things are protracted, um, then you'd have more like a a 200,000 barrel a day increase to to 2.7 million by the end of the fourth quarter. Um, But that's that's generally something that at this point we see is less likely.
0: Thanks, Colby. And it's you know, I think uh, Just to summarize your points, um, you know, certainly there's still some uncertainties out there uh, within the OPEC plus group as they're kind of navigating what happens with Iran and whatnot. But I think would you agree that generally they're going to continue to take a, you know, kind of a cautious approach, even though we do expect them to add more supply from from August onward? Um, You know, also in part because of, you know, some of the reason why they added supply for the summer is because of their own sort of domestic seasonality, right?
2: Certainly, yeah. I mean, you, you do have in, in some of these countries, you have crude burn increasing at this time of year. Um, you know, air conditioning demands uh, certainly spikes. Uh, but, but you know, the, the cautious approach has been the name of the game so far. There's there's really no reason to expect that that will change, especially with, with the record that the alliance has had over the past few months. Um, and, 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 you know, Iran is, is certainly a concern. But you mentioned those uncertainties that are there. Um, and you know, with, without the specifics of, of a potential deal really being known to anybody, uh, there's it, it, it's sort of hard to act on. So I think that that cautious approach that they've that they've taken up to this point uh, is is really just kind of conducive to trying to to deal with that uncertainty around Iran in the future.
0: Right. No, that that makes a lot of sense. And you know, and, and sticking with the supply side, I think um, you know one of the other you know sources where we're seeing um, you know this this kind of you know market tension um, and 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 imbalance and and tightness building um, is domestically here in the U.S. Because um, you know one OPEC plus supply um, is only very marginally being uh, pushed out here. Uh, yes, Canadian supply is um, you know is is increasingly ramping up to serve the U.S. market, but you know but but U.S. supply in and of itself you know remains quite muted. Um, and you're you're seeing this effect of, you know, refiners ramping up because they're anticipating demand. They're really seeing that demand, uh, you know, follow through. Uh, you know, they're seeing you know kind of you know diminished product inventories, uh, you know, domestically. Um, and and the cracks are making sense. So so refiners are ramping up, but but the supply is, you know, is is, is having a hard time sort of keeping up. So you you've certainly have this. You know this Atlantic Basin tightness that's building up. That's that's very much being led uh, by the U.S. And that that is a feature that we expect to see this market. And and as, as Julien alluded to, it's you know that that, that is already here. Uh, that that ramp up in demand is already here uh, now that we're sort of deep into June. Um, I think we're we're sort of running out of time, so I'll just wrap it up with with one quick remark, um, which is that you know we have you know, sort of been saying from an oil market perspective, two things, which are one, do not be surprised to see an 80 plus dollar price for Brent uh, this year, uh, given our supply and demand picture, uh, demand ramping up, um, as Colby mentioned, OPEC plus being, you know, still very much, you know, reactive and cautious. Um, but we do expect that there is going to be sort of adequate supply. Uh, to to kind of get the market through where even though things get may get a little bit uncomfortable this summer and into the fall, uh, that, that that supply will be there. Um, and of course, a key portion of that will be what happens with Iran, and we do expect, uh, you know, those Iranian incremental barrels to come to the market, um, you know, uh, either later this year or or into early next year, um, and, and fairly significant uh, amounts as well. Um, looking to next year, which is the second point, you know, we do think that a $70 Brent price is, uh, is sustainable. You know, we've been saying for a while that, you know, we think 70 is the new 60, and we think this is going to be the story of 2022. Um, you know, where more OPEC plus supply will come back. Uh, By the way, US supply will also gradually ramp up. Uh, Canadian supply is increasing and we'll also see additional supplies from, uh, from other parts, uh, uh, you know, there to, to get, uh, you know, to serve demand as it gets back to, to pre COVID levels and beyond. Um, So these are some of the, the key issues that we're, that we're watching out for. Uh, Thank you for listening in to this edition of uh, the energy intelligence podcast. Colby uh, thank you for your thoughts on supply We'll certainly be coming back to you on on Iran and OPEC. Thanks Abby. and Julia, uh, you know demand of course will never be forgotten and the macro factors that you touched on whether it's inflation or or or, or you know uh, uh, risk assets or, or, or currencies these will all be areas that we'll be focused on as well so we'll certainly be touching uh, on these over the next couple of months but Julien, thanks for joining as well.
1: Thanks Abby looking forward to the next time.
0: Great. And I hope you're all staying safe. And we certainly look forward to the next edition of of the podcast and and we'll speak to you all soon.
2: Thanks for listening to the Energy
1: Intelligence Podcast. Please check back with us soon for our latest content, which you can find at energyintel.com.